building a legacy, a legacy of hope. It was December 17th, 1927, and there were uh, several men in the SS-109, a, a U.S. submarine off of the East Coast, and they were doing maneuvers and tests going up and down the seaboard, and a U.S. Coast Guard ship also was patrolling, and the two of them collided. The submarine sunk down to about 110 feet there in the bay, and water started to gush in, and the men did the best they could to to fill the gaps and to plug the holes. The time went on and the rescue effort continued. Many different things were tried and eventually some U.S. Navy divers were able to come. And one of them heard a, a, a tap. Uh, the, the seas were roaring and things were getting worse and worse and they were going to have to head out because there were too many people. Those who were trying to rescue uh, those in the submarine were going to be in danger themselves. And so this one diver, he went down again, but he heard a tap on the side of the submarine and it was in Morse code and the man tapped out, is there hope? And the diver responded, there is hope. We're doing everything we can. And what first was a bunch of maneuvers by a submarine ended up being a gravesite for every single one of them. Is there hope? It's a question that's asked all over. We live in a day of catastrophe and disaster. But as you just heard in the gospel reading, uh, today is no new day. It's just another day of war and famine, of death and disaster, of destruction and catastrophe, of being plagued by chronic illness and disease. And many live in situations of oppression and persecution. in poverty, wondering literally where the next meal is coming from, or spending five hours a day to gather enough wood in order to cook a meal. And we ask, is there hope? <laughs> that doesn't put things in perspective. We look for answers. We ask big questions. Is there hope? And we're asking this topic today, building a legacy of hope. Pastor, why didn't you give us a, a great story of survival and victory with a good ending, right? Because that's hopeful. That gets my, my emotions up and I get happy. And instead you shared how a bunch of people passed away. Because that's exactly what your rescuer did for you. Andrew, James, and John came to Jesus privately and said, 
Help us understand these times. He didn't give them a rosy-colored picture of what was going to happen, did he? He told them they were going to stand before the governors and they were going to get persecuted. There's wars and rumors and rumors, uh, you know, wars and, and, and famines. And see, building a legacy of hope, first, we have to recognize that the world that we live in, we got to identify what is. There is a lot going on that is not hopeful. But you start to think about how people lay out hope in our culture today. And a lot of times it's everything's rosy over here. Just change your mindset alone and that will help you. It may help you, but it's not going to deliver you. You picking up what I'm putting down? So here's the thing. I was reading this devotion just yesterday and the gentleman so brilliantly put, he said, there are two questions. What is your most abiding problem? What is your biggest obstacle? What's your most abiding obstacle? Question two, how does it get resolved? What's your most abiding problem? How does it get resolved? You can take all philosophies, world religions, and all concepts of hope and rub them up against those two questions. And what we have here today in the scriptures is an honesty and a truth and a reality, right? But we also have a great promise, as you heard Pastor talk about, this great promise of what's going to come because of what already has come. 1 Corinthians, excuse me, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. We have this, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope. The, the idea of an anchor being a symbol of hope has been around for a long time. You're familiar with this. This is a, a picture of a borough in London where they have taken this... Uh, this anchor, this shipping anchor, and just placed it in the middle of the town. I think this image is a powerful, powerful image. Essentially what it is saying from my perspective is, here's hope. In the midst of the chaos and the disorder and the dysfunction of life. And even in the midst of the joys and the happiness and the celebrations, here is hope. Hope is in the midst of, in the midst of us. Hope is with us. And oh, praise be to God that hope did come to us, right? In, in Jesus Christ, our saviors, we're going to celebrate uh, just in a few months. And you're going to go start shopping because you already have. And we build up to this celebration that God has come to be with us, the hope of the world. He is the, the anchor, the anchor of hope. And so, if you would, uh, you have your, your outline here, and I want to walk through just a, a few parts of why we can have hope in God. What's the abounding problem? We've laid that out. The next thing is, what are you going to lean on for hope. And you know what the answer is. It's Sunday school answer is one, two, three. Jesus. Very good. That doesn't pass in here because you're no longer in Sunday school as a toddler. So now we need to move on a little bit more because you have some life experience. You've seen the catastrophes. You've seen the disasters. And here is the first one. And I think the most significant one of all these listed is God's promise. 
in Daniel chapter 12. Because what are we hoping for? Chapter 12, verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Dead becomes living. Decayed becomes alive. Non-breathing becomes breathing. Say what? Yeah. Hope. And some to shame, and some, excuse me, sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, and some to everlasting life. Amen? Anybody a little uh, raise the roof? Uh, Hey, everlasting life? Amen. Yeah? That's what we're waiting for. That's what I'm waiting for. See, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for everlasting life. I'm not waiting just to escape this world. See, my grandma's already escaped this world, but grandma doesn't, she doesn't have all of it yet because he's so good. He's got more coming. He's got a whole new world with all of life breathing where everything is beautiful, abounding, and great, and no one, no one in the love of Jesus is suffering. Hope is not escaping this world. Oh, it's far better off to be with your Savior Jesus. Paul tells us that. But we got something way better coming, brothers and sisters. We got a hope that is ever lasting. That's what we teach. See, so if I'm building a legacy of hope, oh, please don't. Oh, gosh, please don't. Please don't pass on that your hope is to escape this world. I'll say it a way that Christians often say it. I can't wait to get to heaven. I understand, me too, and same with the Apostle Paul. But even the Apostle Paul understands that's not the greatest hope. There is something even more hopeful. That's good, but there is something that is far better. A new heavens and a new earth when the decayed come to life. Everlasting life for all those in the body of Christ. And then there's the hard truth that those who aren't to contempt, I pray that burdens your heart. Wait, I thought having hope is relieving all burden and pain. No, it's not. Hope is having everlasting life and understanding truth. That your loved ones, that my loved ones, that my friends, that your friends, your neighbors, my neighbors may not understand completely that Jesus is giving an everlasting gift of hope in the midst of the catastrophes, famines, disasters. But God, not you, but God provides. He provides everlasting life. So verse 3, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. We won't even get into how long it takes for the light of a star to come to earth and what it really looks like when you think about that 
as you are wise and you're righteous in Christ, that you shine like the stars above, everlasting, shining, because of what Christ has done. Amen? Man, God's promises, God's provision, Hebrews chapter 10. Right? Jesus came. Jesus is fulfilled. Jesus has shed his blood. Jesus has given us a new and living way, verse 20, that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. His temple died, but his temple came back, verse 21. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, see, he intercedes for us. He prays for us. He sacrificed for you. He forgives you, no shame, no doubt, no guilt, all of that forgiven, washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. There is hope for tomorrow because whatever is plaguing you, whatever mind tricks are being played on you, whatever Satan's tempting you to believe about yourself that is unrighteous, Jesus says you are righteous in my sight. God's preparation, Mark chapter 13, which we've expounded upon already, that there is a reality, that things aren't getting better. Actually, Jesus says, they will get worse. So what we're talking about today is building a legacy of hope. So first, we got to get our definitions, and we got to get our worldview, and we got to get our framework correct, because, let's be honest, many of our frameworks are not fully on board with what God lays out as hope, right? God's promises, God's provision, and God's preparation, which is call a thing what it is. And the last thing, God's power. If you let your eyes kind of scan down Psalm 78 says this, Arise and leave a legacy for the next generation to set its hopes anew on God. So what is hope? You see this, it says, let hope arise. Biblical hope is not across your fingers, lip-biting, nervous waiting. It's an expecting great things from God, expecting great things from God. Biblical hope is more than a desire, wishing, or wanting. It's a confident expectation and a desire for something good. When it seemed that God was most out of control, think for a moment, when did it look like Jesus was most out of control? I don't mean out of control like flaming temper tantrum, kind of out of control, but the most had no control over the situation when he was dead, right? Sitting in the grave. And his followers went to go hide. He was most out of control, but he was actually in the most control, going down, descending to hell, and proclaiming victory over Satan and his way. And it said the rescuer arose and gave life. And so we could say it this way, when it seemed that God was most out of control, he was actually in the most control. He arose from the dead three days later. So God is in the business of dispensing hope. Romans 15, 4, whatever was written in the former's days was written for our instruction 
that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have what? Hope. That through the writing of the scriptures, that through the work of Christ, that we might, you might, have the encouragement of what? Hope. Hope in the middle of the streets. Hope in the middle of life. Not just hope in the new heavens and the new earth, but that, that gift of hope even transcends and comes back even now. We're going to celebrate the, the rebirth, the new living, the new life of a, a little one today that Christ comes and gives and relives and brings back to life our spirit. So we, our, our old spirit is gone and our new spirit has come. Do you have hope? Or let me ask the question, is there hope? Yeah. Yeah, there is. What's your great enduring problem or obstacle? How are you going to resolve it? And if you're going to resolve it, guess what? There isn't a whole lot of hope. But if you're looking and leaning on the one who has given eternal hope and who even brings that eternity into now, oh, you're on a good track, all right? And so how do we arise and, and leave for the next generation hope? You see that gray box down there below? Here's 10 things. Hope moves us forward. Hope gives us joy. Hope gives us, uh, uh, it diminishes drag to just, just put it bluntly. It increases momentum, does it not? If you're hopeful for something, it can get you through the days. Those of you who have struggled with that journey of cancer, right, you understand very well and very real what hope can do for you and how it can get you through those challenging times. So as a church, how do we leave hope for the next generation or even for ourselves. One way is this. You rebirth, right? This is what we and you have heard called church planting. That means planting or beginning a new church. How do you do, how do, you do that? How does that give you hope? I don't know. Does a birth of a loved one give you hope? Does it help you leave a legacy? Does it bring smiles across your face? Yeah, sure it does. And so what you see here, and Pastor will share this, the Fortress is a church that we have financially supported for several years. And this day, uh, they are celebrating their charter, right? They're becoming an official congregation, self-supported, all on their own. We were a part, Resurrection Lutheran Church, you were a part of birthing a new set of believers that are reaching out to a military base in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah, man, that is awesome, right? We have partnership, and we pray with, and we encourage uh, Pastor Kunze at the dwelling. Um, he's preached here, and this is uh, an encouragement uh, for us that we are partnering together uh, with several different congregations to plant a church along the Grand Parkway. Why? Because this gives us momentum, this gives us hope to reach a group of people that we would have a really difficult time reaching. 
And so we have these three beautiful human beings, right? Pastor Mark and Laura and the little baby Flint. And Flint is, of course, we always tease because Flint is the best package of the whole deal. And, right, so today they're praying, right? They're walking the neighborhood. And for many of you, you've never done this before. I'd encourage you, if you have time at 4 o'clock, whether you even think you're going to be a part of the church plan, you feel like God's calling you to maybe be a part of that, or God's maybe calling you to indirectly be a part of that, today is a great opportunity, and it's not going to happen just today, but I'd encourage you to go to one of these. I mean, it's a great way for you to stretch your faith a little bit about what it looks like or the experiences of extending your prayer life. It's amazing. It's a wonderful thing. So hope, right, builds and moves us forward. Hope encourages the present. Present. Because if I have hope now, it's going to help me tomorrow. And it helps us continue to move forward. It helps me get through today. Hope it lightens our darkness. I mean, there's enough going on. There's enough challenge going on, right? Enough difficulty. Enough fires going on, whether they're literal or, literal or, or not. And then you think of Psalm 23. I will walk through the valley of the shadow of what? Death. Darkness. But what did the psalmist just say? Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will die in the valley of the shadow of death? No. I will be utterly depressed and unable to move through the valley of the shadow of death. No, no, no. No, it says, I will what? Walk. I will. I will walk and die in the shadow of death. No, 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 no. I will walk what? Through. Through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen? Amen. Hope lightens our darkness. Hope increases our faith. Uh, with faith we soar, we hope. Uh, without uh, hope, uh, life just diminishes, right? So hope increases faith. Five, hope is infectious. Moping drags. Who really likes to be around moping people over and over and over and over and over again? I get it. Life's difficult. Life's challenging. And you need a place to be able to release the energies and all the negative negativity. But if you are around that all the time, what do you do? You start distancing yourself. And yet hope, right, is infectious. Think about this. Uh, be prepared to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that is within you. Hmm. Are you giving off hope? Are you in your demeanor, you in your conversation, is it seasoned with salt? Are you giving off hope that someone might ask, give me the reason for the hope. Give me a reason. Why are you different? Give me a reason why you're always so joyful. Give me, and I'm not saying that's the only way. What I'm saying is it's a way that God uses us to share hope to and in the streets and neighborhoods of our lives. Hope is healing, right? It helps those who are depressed. It helps those who are hopeless and helpless. Hope purifies. This first John says this, we will not just be called children of God, but one day we'll be more like the Son of God. 
This inspires one to preserve in holiness to the end, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Are you purifying yourself? Are you doing so that when people see you, maybe even when your own grandchildren or your own children see you, that they say, you know, they have hope. Even to an age where they don't even understand what that word means, but they can feel it. They can experience it. Hope purifies. Hope also defends. 1 Thessalonians 5, a helmet of hope of salvation. The helmet points to the area of the greatest vulnerability, our mind and our thoughts. Satan savors in presenting reasons of doubt and despair. Daily may our mind be renewed by the power of hope. 9. Hope is practical. It's not static. It inspires us to action. So here is just one way I ask this question. How will you have hope in your home? In a very practical way. How do you raise the next generation? How do you leave a legacy of hope? May I suggest that hope-filled homes read, pray, and sing together. Sing the songs of God together. Read the scriptures together. As you read, pray, and sing together, you start to have conversations of hope. You start to dig up what is going on in people's lives. And and then when you don't have the answer, which is most of the time, we lean on the one who's going to carry us through, whose promises preserved to life everlasting, right? If anyone uh, needs wisdom, let him, what? Pray for it. Yeah, yeah. Hope-filled homes read, pray, and sing, which leads to this one. Hope stabilizes in the storm. So no, I'm not going to end on another happy note. I'm going to end where we began. Kind of. Hope preserves in the storms. This is an actual uh, drawing in a catacomb. Hope was used as a symbol, uh, or sorry, an anchor was used as a symbol for hope for thousands of years. And just in one catacomb that they found where there was a community of Christians, there were 70 drawings of anchors. Jesus told the disciples that they were going to be persecuted. Jesus told them life was going to be rough. They weren't using the cross as a symbol. They were using the fish at times, but many times they were using an anchor, an anchor of hope. In the midst of the storm, anchors hold, anchors hold tight, and yet the the line that comes off of it is flexible and allows the boat to move. And so my question for you is, how are you going to build a legacy of hope? Let's pray. Father God, you are good, and you are so gracious to us, Lord. You have preserved, persevered, and left your promises, uh, not only in the future, but that you've given them to us now. And you've done that for our brothers and sisters who uh, were in those catacombs. 
who carved out of stone anchors of hope because you are our anchor. The one upon we have a firm foundation. The hope uh, in Jesus Christ is all, uh, and most importantly, what we have is your children. So may you use us, grant us the wisdom to build a hope, an everlasting hope for those who come next. May we arise and leave the next generation hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen.